Welcome to Live Tuesday here on the nation's coolest, Cool 97 FM. February is being celebrated as Reggae Month. And in this edition of Live Tuesday, we're going to raise a toast to an iconic contributor to both the music of this land and music globally. Mm-hmm. We're talking about none other than two-time Grammy Award-winning sound engineer Dennis Thompson. Thompson's work has spanned over four decades and has seen him working with a star-studded lineup across the globe as both in-studio mastering engineer and touring sound engineer. You heard right. In-studio mastering engineer and out-of-studio going on tour as sound engineer. In 1988, he would be in the control room of the Grammys Someone's going to only think of that, you know. And would return to that iconic space time and time again as he has journeyed and continued to, to contribute to emerging music throughout his career. This morning, we're going to try our very best to pack in the breath of Dennis Thompson's contributions from the Whalers, Steel Pulse, Peter Tosh, Dennis Brown, the Commodore, Ray Charles, to Marcus Miller. Missy Elliott, Alicia Keys, and so many more. We hear about this remarkable journey. Yeah, a Jamaican traveling that road. Yeah, you heard it. And uh, we're going to lock in for a musical ride through time over the next two hours. Yes. Uh, And uh, if you want us to start, we say this all began with the Scatterlights. The musical movement begins now inside of Life Tuesdays.
the Tropical Sense, 97.9.
this morning we've got Dennis Thompson, sound engineer, right here inside of Live Tuesday. He's won two Grammys for his in-studio work and has engineered live events globally, including multiple Grammy Award shows. Good morning and welcome to Live Tuesday. How are you? I'm doing good. Fabulous. So, we've heard of you over all of these years, certainly of the life of Cool 97. And your exploits around the world and what you've done with local acts and international acts. Now we're going to get it from you firsthand. Where did your enduring love of music stem from? Uh, my father. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What, Daddy had a huge yeah, music it, collection? What? Well, yes. He, 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 he loved music. Mm. And I grew up you're listening to everything that you could ever think of. Oh, so you were exposed to many genres. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Now, when did you know? Because that's a far cry. We all hear music in our households, but how many of us know that sound engineering is a path that we're to pursue? And what about it kept you going for such a long time? The first day I walked into Studio One. Mm-hmm. With Lester Sterling. That is when I decided I'm going to do engineering. So you just went to what? To visit? Or you actually went? Oh, I went to, with Lester for a recording session. Oh, okay. I, I took the day off from school. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Tell me you went to Casey too. Mm-hmm. Sure did. You know, there was something about Casey and the gate man that just didn't work out. How so many of you managed to skip school and head to studio? You're about the third well, one. Here we go. When the music calls, you mm-hmm. you follow. Yeah, tell her who Lester Sterling is, just in case you forgot this. <laughs> yeah. Lester Sterling, part of the Scatterlights. Hmm? Oh, one of the founding members of the Scatterlites. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. There, there, there are two members of the Scatterlites that I, I knew. Janet Moore was my neighbor. Mm-hmm. And Lester used to live down West Avenue. Oh. Mm-hmm. In Kingston Gardens. Yes. Wow. So, those two people brought me into... I recall no pop music at the time. Mm-hmm. But really, what qualifies you to do that? So you used to have listened to music in your household, so you were exposed to a lot of genres. Then mm. you went with Lester Sterling, who took you to not to buy records, not to meet uh, Sir Cox and Dodd, but for a recording session. What was it he saw in you that made him realize, you know what, this little one could come with me and we'll go try the engineering thing with him? What was it? I, I, used pra- I, used, I used to practice with him. Oh, oh, so on, that's on, on the corner, we was like about you know, 30 of us. Mm-hmm. But I was the only one who could play an instrument. Which one was that? So, so he was looking for someone to practice with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I said, I can't do it with you. So that's how it all started. Ah, now that's the clincher. Take us now to studio. Walk us through, say, your sessions with Peter Tosh. Yeah, I think he's a good choice, Peter Tosh, because they said he was kind of, kind of a rebel, 
probably one of the ultimate rebels in music, walk us through one of those sessions with him with special attention to the Grammy-winning project, No Nuclear War. What was that like? Well, I was doing an album called Bob Landon Barnett with Steel Pulse mm-hmm. in, in England. And he called me and said, yes, he has this album to, to finish. So when I finished doing Steel Pulse, come to Jamaica and, and, and look at this. I said, all right. So I came down, went to the house and talking to where the tapes. He said, in the room. So I went in the room, took up all the, took out the tapes. But there was one particular tape that's sitting in a whole pile of water. What? Yeah, so I took up the tape and said, I used to call him Bushes. So I said, Bush, this tape is in the water. He said, that's, it, that's it, the title of the album, that's the album title. <laughs> I said, what? He said, yeah, that's the only, the, the, the song, song, Nuclear War, is on that tape. Mm-hmm. It's talking with. <laughs> so now, I said, we're going to do it. He said, well, then you know what to do. So I went up the Music Mountain with a carton, a, a tissue, paper tissue. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and make up uh, the, the, the machine I made a route and sat there and dried a tape inch by inch Whoa. took me about 16 hours what? <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> <laughs> you know some people that are just 13 and about with this but that's only, that's only part of it now we had to do all the drums mm-hmm. so Sandra came in did some drums, did all the drums. Then I had to take it back to New York now and run it again through another machine and I don't know what to use the process it and mix it. You know, I have no doubt you've met some interesting, let's just call them individuals, <laughs> oh, sure. over time. Because I have never heard of such a, such a project. You find a tape in water. Well, that is just one song. Listen, in our Jamaican music, the musicians that we have, and the love that they have for this music, and the things they have, they have done and we have done, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You get a chance. Jamaican musicians are the most creative set of people you could ever think of. Oh, yes. Think of Lee Scratch Perry. You ever got to work with him? Oh, yes. Oh, boy. <laughs> this, is, this is getting really good. I spell out the Mars Nipple Scratch. Mm-hmm. Bonnie Lee, everybody, yeah. You ever thought of writing a book? <laughs> you have to write a book. Even if you don't write the book, I start walking around with a little tape recorder and putting down the <laughs> stories. No, somebody else will write the book after. But you just document it somehow in the easiest way you can. Because a story like yours has to be told. It has to be there for generations to come. Mike, you want to drop some more music? Oh, blimey. Hold on. I almost said something else. It's time for commercials. We'll be back. (laughs) Okay, so our guest is Dennis Thompson, and we're getting some really good insights into the music business and what he's been through and what he's seen and done. 
He mentioned No Nuclear War, that album with Peter Tosh. So right now we're going to drop two tunes from it. No Nuclear War is going to get us started. And the other one is, Mikey? Uh, Lesson in My Life. Lessons in and My we'll Life. I'll go back to Dennis. Okay. All right.
Okay, no nuclear war album. Imagine, and it went through <laughs> such turbulence in the very beginning. Yeah, including a story of water. Okay, so that is the work with Peter Tosh, the Peter Tosh. Now, we thought that you'd only use the word the once in your career, but you can use it many times because you've worked with the Steel Pulse. What? Tell us about that Grammy-winning effort. Was it expected? What did it take from you in studio as a recording engineer? Because I don't think people really grasp what it is that you really do. The average Joe doesn't know. What, is, what does your day-to-day look like in a studio? It's a combination of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. For example, the song that the artist has, the musicians that you're going to work with, mm-hmm. the equipment you're going to work with, environment, all those things play a major contributions, you know. Now, when you work in a first world country for so many years, and then you're sent to some other little place, not first world, and you're given what they have, or they've laid out the best of what they have, does your ingenuity do days of perhaps watching MacGyver trip in where you have to kind of create some stuff (laughs) to make it work? You use what they have and make the best of it and don't complain. Ah. Hmm. Well, that must be difficult. <laughs> okay. Uh, I remember we were doing a show in St. Croix mm-hmm. with Seal Pulse. And the sound company, they had no sound company. And we went to about 80 people's house borrowing their speakers. What? People won't. Stereo speaker. Uh huh. What? And stacking them in the whole thing. This is the show. Whoa. <laughs> no, I don't believe this one. This one is just, this is just so off, off the chain. <laughs> oh, yeah. You have to make those. But you get paid extra. No, <laughs> Okay. Uh, what, what qualifications do you have, though, to pursue, or what is now demanded of. Uh, of you as an engineer coming into the industry because uh, I don't know what I don't know what you entered the profession with or you just simply proved your excellence as you went as time moved on but what is demanded of them entering the industry now? Because what we realize, a lot of people are setting up home studios. A lot mm-hmm. are, everybody who has a laptop, it believes they can now do engineering and they can do their own music. Mm-hmm. But realistically, what does it take to really get your chops together and in a, in a position to do what you do? That would be right here. Mm-hmm. And love. You hear and that love right? the music. A good pair of ears and love of the music. So no more loud music yeah. in studio. We have preserved the hearing. Okay. All right. Huh. Now, loud music, you know, love of music. Yes, uh, but we also have the part about a good pair of ears. And the volume at which yeah. music is played in this studio, sometimes we lose the hearing. Okay. So, Steel Pulse, tell us what a Grammy-winning effort. Hmm? You, you did the St. Croix show, but when you were in studio mm. with them, 
tell us about uh, the recording process itself because that album is let me tell you I have worn holes in that copy of that LP that I actually have the CD and I've worn holes in it mm. which, which one excellent which one, yeah. uh, the one with um, Chanta Sam uh, Rally Wrong oh, all of those yes True Democracy that's the one I have okay so that was done on, in, in Denmark mm-hmm. and a, a student had a uh, a radio console. <laughs> a radio station console, that's what they had. <laughs> no. <laughs> and Carl Peters and myself put it together. Huh? Okay. Need we but go? But as I can say, you, you work with what you have. Mm-hmm. You don't make the best of it. Wow. You worked with so many people. Who are some of the standout artists you've done work with? And in what capacity? Walk us through a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Quite a few, but everyone is has their own distinction. Babylon by Boss, hmm? Bob Marley and the Whalers. That's a special chapter in my life. Hmm. How so? That will never be replaced. I will always live on. How so? When you we work with Bob Marley and the Wheelers. You, you become part of a family. You know, it, it, it's a movement that Jap people movement. Mm-hmm. It's just something else to experience. Can well imagine. Ah, okay. So <laughs> that people is a work engineered by our guest this morning. You know the same one where greetings, yeah, same album. Mm-hmm. Engineered by Dennis Thompson. Now, okay, so I've asked you about Bob Marley. I think we should touch a bit more music now. Yeah, before we have our cool flight pack. Huh? Yes. Yes, you know, I remember when I used to sit in the government yard in Trenchtown. What song? Hudson Dennis, yes, observing the hypocrites, mingling with the good people we need. Good friends we have, good friends we love. Yes! Under the tropical sun, 
listening to Michael Thompson on Cool G7 and Cool G7 Radio. Marley on Cool 97 FM, the heathen from the Babylon Bible album. I tell you, if you don't have that one, go get it today. All right. We're going to go to our cool flight pack. It's another one that used to live in my car, you know. Mm-hmm. Just pop that in you just to get a vibe. We're going to go to our cool flight pack, check out what's happening at our international airports, and then we come back for more stories. Stay with us.
of Bonnie Whale on Cool 97 FM. And you heard from Steel Pulse. You heard from Dee Brown. The music here on Cool 97 FM inside of Live Tuesdays. We interview our guest, Dennis Thompson. Now, I'm going to tell you straight off the bat. I need you to move into a house near my house so that when you're at home and you just kick back and you're listening to your music collection, I can hear it too. <laughs> because I'm sure you use the finest equipment <laughs> in order to just tune out and enjoy the music, man. So turn it up a little more. Maybe I can hear it from my house. Loving uh, your recordings. Mastering many of these classic albums and uh, actually sitting there at the controls at big concerts. Which you prefer? In-studio recording live. or the live ones? Live. Ah. Mm-hmm. Catch live. every sneeze that goes out. Every little bit of chit-chat. Every little cheer that That's is bad. done. Not even that. Stop any problem before the audience hear it. <laughs> oh, okay. But there must be more to your love of live recordings. Why so? It's, it's a different feel. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a studio, you, you can sit there and you can work on a steel drum for 10 hours and EQ it and do a sort of thing. When it's, when it's live, you have to get it right the first time. Mm. It's a challenge. But when it's right, a certain feel hits you that you so all know. You finally get caught up in the even more so when you're at a live recording, you're enjoying it so much that like there's a creative burst that you get. Yes. Ah, oh, nice. All right. Yeah, it, it, it's a whole different feeling. You get goosebumps. Mm. You know, I tell you something to the audience. Will also make you go. Oh. Because if it's right. You get you get smiles when they're going out. <laughs> if it's wrong, you hear everything when they pass in you. You make them leave and then you leave. <laughs> <laughs> I leave before. <laughs> no man, it was you leaving. All right, so <laughs> sound engineer Dennis Thompson, our guest, as he has worked with musical icons throughout his career, and this morning we're hearing all about that musical journey. Don't forget, our sponsors are Dairy Industries, Ashanti Oasis Vegetarian Catering, and Health Creation Industries. So, well, let's walk through some more of your musical legacy. Tell us about your relationship with somebody like Jackie Mitu. Well, 
Jack himself, we sat together. KQC when we were like third form. And we sat together, you know. And then Dodo said, he's coming and those off in the morning. That's what I'm doing. So when he played on the band called Arrival, for the number of you. So, like, you know, he played and something early in the morning and go to school. And of course, by 10 o'clock, he, 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 he hit the wall. Mm. Anyhow, I was also doing music at the time, but I was doing classical music. Hmm. And I could play from the book, you could play by ear. So we started trading things, you know, I'm talking, they were going through the third form, going to fourth form. That's when I went to, to the one with Lester. And I came to school next morning. And I said, what am I to yesterday? I said, well, I was through the one, you know. And I'm looking for a keyboard player. Scatter lights. So I said, why you don't take it? I said, yeah, I take it. My father won't allow that. <laughs> Your father won't allow that? Like, <laughs> no, no, my father wasn't do that. He loved music, but he didn't want us to be like DJs. He wanted us to be like architects and surveyors and all them kind of things. Because the thing in Jamaica at the time, you know, we recognized professionals at the time. But anyway, so I told him what to go to, and Jack went. Didn't come back. We don't see many, well, we're not aware of any students doing that kind of thing right now, but who knows, in years to come, we'll probably be hearing their similar stories. <laughs> Take us to the well, live performance. Well, uh, uh, let, let me tell you what, who has an interest in Saga to? Uh huh. Tyrone Downey. Really? Oh, yes. Whoa. <laughs> I know that yeah, one of the major players in, in, in the Wales band. Mm -hmm. he, he has stories to tell you. Too. Man, he went to Casey as well? Yes, Augustus Pablo. Casey, something was wrong back in the day. Son of No. You know, we need to find out about Casey and the music program. Make a note of that, Mikey. We need to find out what they're doing now, musically, because they seem to attract a oh, we, 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 we need it so bad. Yeah. All right. The next time you're here in Jamaica, you need to go address that school. You're just, uh, you just—you never oh, yeah, know. You might sure. influence someone. Take us to the live performance scene now. What uh, is? All right. Give us some more insight into a live performance. The Grammys. Let's go to the Grammys of all places. How many well, months preparation, weeks preparation goes into carrying off a big show like that? One year. One whole year. So as the, one the, finishes, you've gone into... Well, the, the performance that you see, mm -hmm. the, 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 the production for the following year starts the next day. Whoa. Okay. The, the set design, the artists, all that kind of stuff, everything has got to come together. The, the, the transportation, coordination, hospitality, it's not the following day. Mikey. And you've witnessed the movement and transformation of music throughout your career. What has been one of, or maybe you want to touch on a few changes you've witnessed? The use of 
live instruments versus instrumentation. Give us, give us a sense. Well, when it comes to instruments, it, it all depends on the person. I, I know musicians who use electronic equipment, I say that they're different and acoustic. That's how they tone it. You know, it all depends on the person. So, some musicians will just plug it in, and the first sound you hear is what they use. They don't modify it or try to, you know, you know, make it sound natural. For those entering the music profession, though, what would be your, in the same way that you had classical training, that I would think, and I might be wrong, that I would think would be an asset to you going into a career such as yours. Actually being able to read notes and have an ear for what goes it, with what it, and it, 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 versus no, everybody grabbing advantage. up a... Sorry? Yes, it has an advantage. Mm -hmm. you, you can... Okay, I have done the NHK Symphony Orchestra in Japan. At the Tokyo Jazz Festival, I was doing it with, uh, with Marcus Miller. The NHK Orchestra is a hundred-piece orchestra, full orchestra. Mm. And I'm mixing that orchestra with a jazz band. With a guest artist, was Roberta Black, and a guy called Christian Scott. Now, you, you must be able to hear and differentiate the entire orchestra. No classical music helps you with that. Hmm. Hmm. So we have a lot of musicians who need to go back to school and learn that side of the music business. No, but that, 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 that is the, the foundation of everything. Mm -hmm. Some people like myself, I, can't, I don't really play by ear too, but I have to train myself, especially when you're doing stage monitors. You have to move frequencies. That when you hear a feedback coming up, you can't take it up before the musician look at you. <laughs> You have to know, tell them how, how to balance your, your stage, that the, 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 the keyboard player don't, don't kill the guitarist and guitarist don't kill the keyboard player, and it all affects the vocals. Mm -hmm. So you, you have to set the stage balance, and people must listen and hear themselves. So you know, to the instrument, and that way, it, it's heaven. That's a lot that's demanded of you, man. Well, it's part of the business. It's a lot to it's pay attention to. So you apply yourself to it and you do it. Mm -hmm. I don't a know. Musician come and say, you want to play too loud, they can go outside and play by himself. Listen, you're, br you're brutally frank in your comments, but we're finding them hilarious. That's true. Yeah. It, it, I, I, I had a big uh, problem with, it, with one of the Isley brothers one day. <laughs> because he used to play on a arena stage and we are in this little, little we call it like a little theater and I'm still wanting to play at the arena stage level Whoa. I said can't work mm -hmm. so because oh, I play this and I play I said well you go outside and play them because you're, you're killing everybody you give me a lead singer can't hear himself so what you want to do they <laughs> <laughs> turn it down <laughs> <laughs> and the Congo, the Congo player could even hear himself play and everything. It was beautiful. Mm -hmm. and you know what? I like that about you. 
I really like that about you. You're clearly not going to shrink and let these big name artists tell you what no, to no, do. No, 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 Because you clearly are very competent at your craft and you're going to hold your ground. I like that. Really, really like that. Now. A friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Oh, my brethren, Bob Marley, tell me. He said, never, ever, ever sacrifice yourself. Mm-hmm. People come into your, your sound and people. Give them money, big bad book, get the money to come together for a couple of show. They want to hear it. Do not sacrifice that. Hmm. You know what I mean? You've had the yeah, man, you, you've had the opportunity to to work locally, work internationally. I want you to drop some some gems. Because as Jamaica rides on the popularity of reggae music, hmm? And reggae music has taken many of our Jamaican artists from probably very humble beginnings to a better lifestyle. What is it that, you, from your observation, we need to pay attention to in order to up the ante and let reggae remain ours with that special touch to it for many, many more years to come? What are we doing we and managers. what should we be doing? We need managers. Mm-hmm. We, we, need, we need people who, entertainment lawyers, who, who can uh, expand the, 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 everything about the music, you know, contacts and all, you know, even a, a, a band or artist, some direction about copyright and publishing and all that kind of things. We need that kind of expertise. Hmm. And what? And there's some, some some schools that have been pretty good to us here on Live Tuesday. They've been here, they've done their thing, and they're cultivating these young acts. We're talking about mm-hmm. the Alpha Boys Band. We're talking about Edna Manley College. Those young ones who are doing music, mm-hmm. and they intend to make music their bread and butter. And Charlie was school, high school. Yes. Mm-hmm. I need. I need someone like you to provide some guidance hmm? because you've lived it all. You've seen and done everything. Some people would have drawn their line in the sand and called retirement long ago. But no, you... retirement, is, retirement is a people who make tires. Don't laugh and go here and Some people can only dream. Some dream big dreams and go after those big dreams. Give us a sense of... I need you, the next time you're here on The Rock, to make a contribution. And we're going to now get some more music. Ah, who is this now, Maggie? <laughs> Marcy Griffiths. Ah. In a mellow mood. <laughs>
Radio. Mellow Cool. Upbeat Cool. Everything Cool. 97.9 FM.
extraordinaire and uh, we're getting some really wild stories and some interesting insights into the music business from him but I'm going to at this point put our own Mikey Thompson in the line of fire for questioning <laughs> because Mikey is in fact Dennis's younger brother so we have to find out one musical person with like the forerunner for Mikey who you know is in music as well Mikey take it away I wanted the two of you to chit chat about the early years what went down <laughs> how did you become a music lover like your brother well it all started from him uh, oh let me put my mic to work it all started from him from my brother Dennis I mean um, my father he told me and my mother that uh, uh, in meeting my mother, my father played at her party with a gramophone. So I would not have known that. So, um, so in Dennis now, as a young, uh, as a boy, would see my father playing all these these songs and hearing, as he said, right. But I took that from my brother, from Dennis. I remember, for example, his inspiration. He inspired me a lot. My whole career in life has been through his inspiration. And uh, and started even from recognizing him coming from school, his khaki clothes, but the tie, the purple and white tie, KC, stood out to me, and I loved the color. I love, yes, I love the colors, and I said, boy, I had to go, to, I had to go where he's going at school. But I used to go and t take his tie and put it in my hand and rub it because it was, <laughs> it was like cotton field and the purple and white, and it was, I was determined to to go there. But even before looking at that. His music, he always used to bring friends around the house with music and um, those fortifies and stuff that you see, like Atco, the, the, the red, um, Atco, the yellow and, and white and the Atlantic, the red and mm -hmm. black label. So I, those colors were pretty for me and I used to, <laughs> I used to when um, watch them play these songs, hear them, and there are times I want to hear from myself. I used to steal in the room, connect, <laughs> go, take out the record player, uh, connect it to the to, to, to the plug on the, uh, in the ceiling, then go out of the bed and listen to the needle play the song. <laughs> then try to put it back before, <laughs> as if try to put it back. You know, say you know what? Come up, but you would always come and do that. Somebody trouble is there. You know, it's me, right? But um, long and short of it, that I used to trouble the things all the time. But a friend of his, Junior Green was telling me that um, they caught me running out to the room <laughs> when they, uh, after doubling back and he said to teach me how to use the stuff and um, and that's where it all began it solidified that and today what you hear from Life Tuesday is because of him uh, I remember when I started radio Winston Blake and himself told me at different times he said to focus on Jamaican music focus on Jamaican artists do more interviews bring them in because at that time the stations weren't playing Jamaican music and the, the, the and, and the worth and the value that they have was is so awesome. So thanks to him, and I'm glad I'm able to do this. I don't want to talk much because I want you to you, know, the, the, you as the interview to really you know talk to him more. But I'm glad I'm able to say this because he is my inspiration, and um, the quality 
and the standard which he has set is is is, is marked because when you hear us do live tunes, we always you know that we always try mm-hmm. to do and everything I just said to you, you have seen it in a first self work outside. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, kudos to you, my brother, and uh, I, I really enjoy right. this. <laughs> I want I want to mention somebody else. Well? Craig Rock. Mm-hmm. Greg is my nephew, and he is also the offspring of this whole music thing. And Dennis and Dean, mm-hmm. who do my sons, they went into videos, video production. So, you know, it, 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 it's just music on now. It's just love. It's just music. Yes, it's, it's a blood full of vein. That's it's really, 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 really true. Mm-hmm. And come back just to Dennis and Dean. I remember two them in hand as well and taught them. And they, they were just, you know, they, 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 were, they, they gravitated to the thing so much, you know. And, and, and Craig again had almost spoon feed, had to spoon feed him, show him the, stop the records, <laughs> stop the records. And I told Craig, no, look at the labels. Know the labels. Know the label of the song, and know the the, the name of the artist. And uh, and that's how it started. That's how it started. So it's all good. So you all had to pay your dues. This wasn't just uh, oh, yeah. handed handed to you on a platter. You had to you had to learn it from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Wonderful story. You've worked with so many people again. And uh, we want to find out a bit more about uh, this, your connection to Jamaica and Jamaica's music. Uh, we're going to be touching a bit more of the local productions in a short while. But how would you highlight today for promising acts? Hmm? Who would you I, actually I identify and say, yeah, you know, that one's going to be massive? Uh. Chronics. Mm-hmm. A lot of potential. You just need to get them to a little bit more settled and get the, you know, production a little bit more than I. Oh. But uh, endless. Mm. Yeah. Definitely an act that I can also see enduring for many, many, many more years. And what are you working on now? And I also want to find out, with your level of expertise, have you identified any acts over the years and we now know of them? Yes. Barry Salmon. Wow. How? Uh, yeah, Barry Salmon. Barry used to come to our... Winston Blake himself used to have auditions. I just shoot a call New Dementia. And when we had talent audition, we get about 200 people. And Barry says, always there. Mm. So the day came in and did his audition, he sang one verse of the song, and he said, Let's go. You ready? This is 1972. Mm-hmm. So, you know, then just last was one among them two. Roddy Thomas. Wow. We, they formed a group, I know, one more girl called Merlin Weber, and they formed a group called Total Togetherness. This is before um, Ferris joined the power and all it. So we're a little way, you know, we're a little way back. Hmm. And on international. International. Um, Gold was. Like one of the musical directors with 
because Fab Five was was one of the, you know was band too. I mean, before that inner circle was the inner house band at the studio. Huh. <laughs> wow. A lot to learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you don't mind us asking, what project uh-huh. you have before you know? You might be able to give us details as to who you're working with, but maybe you could share a little secret or two. <laughs> because you right sure have been busy all the time. <laughs> I'm, I'm, right now I'm doing, I'm doing restoration. Uh, for some years of live concerts and I'm um, like digitizing them and heating them up and you know four to seven years so that's all I'm doing right now whoa oh my goodness I'm still stunned <laughs> <laughs> alright once you and I'm hoping that the world goes back to some level of normality so that once again concerts can be held studios studio recordings can progress and we can do so unhindered I'm just going to ask you to pause for a few seconds the nation's coolest cool 97 FM alright We got our feel of quite a bit of reggae music this morning as we spoke with you and uh, you filled us in on and Mikey also contributed the music for it. But right now we have Marcus Miller working alongside David Sanborn and and Kirk Whalem. This one kind of is a little different from what we've been playing all morning. Tell us about your work with Marcus Miller. He's the one who wears a little hat, right? Yeah. Give yes, us, give yes. us uh, some, some reflections on working with him and on a project that's jazz-based. And do you get to do jazz recordings often? A lot. Mm. I've been, uh, been on the jazz scene for about oh, 10, 15 years. Hmm. I've been with Marcus. And in doing that, I got to work with Herbie Hancock, Joe Sample, Wayne Shorter. You know. So, but Marcus Miller is a, is a premier bass player and a superb musician. He plays everything. So it is really a, just an honor for to be with him, you know. Mm-hmm. You ever worked with uh, our very own Monty Alexander? Yes, I did. Because I think he's perhaps, uh, him and Ernie Wrangling, the biggest things in jazz that have come out of Jamaica. Well, Ernie Wrangling, I don't call him Ernie Wrangling, I call him Mr. Ernest Wrangling. Yes. (laughs) Yes, he does deserve that. (laughs) Sure does. So you've got to work Uh, with both of them? Ernest Wrangling is national treasure. Mm Mm-hmm. Monty, I've done two albums with Monty. Mm. So, you know, but, but what I also would like is you see the jazz market make a expand. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of expeditions on the whole. Just, we just need the venues, to be honest. Mm. You know, there was a, a thought some years ago, 
I don't remember who. No, I think it was Monty Alexander who was coming to Jamaica, and they were in a quandary as to where they could get a good Steinway piano for his. <laughs> don't laugh. A good Steinway piano for his concert because that's the quality. That's the quality of the instrument that he uses for his craft. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are we doing wrong? <laughs> and, and one of them, I know, is financial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't think that that is should be the be all and end all. Why we can't pursue it? I, 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 I won't tell you what I find. Mm-hmm. We're settling for a thing called mediocrity. Mm-hmm. We're not going for for the best of this or whatever it is. Once you have something mediocre, remove it. And it's not going to work. Even the production of sort of the song, the writing. In, in the old days, when you go to Sweden one night, you would have to put Mr. Dara Telecom back in two weeks. Mm-hmm. You got a joke read, you have to have a certain amount of quality in the song for you before you can even go up the stairs. Mm-hmm. But we're certainly for mediocrity now. And with that, the music will stop. I have a song that I have a culture name, Mr. Selector. Oh, yeah. That every time I hear that song, it, 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 it reminds me because what he was telling the DJs, make the music play and start the, the, talking over the show with them. If people want to hear the song, that's your mouth. <laughs>
Dennis, give us a, a little bit now on your work with Alicia Keys. How did that come about? Because that is definitely way up the totem pole now in terms of recording yeah, artists. Where do we not, where do we not go? I was doing some work with Missy Elliott. And Missy was played before Alicia. But the, the thing is, when I finished fixing Missy and Alicia came on, just, just like she had to start from way at the bottom. So our thing was, how come didn't have the energy that Missy had? So our manager asked me to come down them. But I didn't want to do that because I was going to encroach on another engineer. And out of respect, I told him no. So about three years later, she called me again. And I was in the middle of doing nothing, so I said, all right, I'll do it. And we had about three, three four years together. Mm-hmm. There's a question that has come in from a, a cool listener. Yeah, they're really involved in this one, in this interview. The question is, okay, they have labeled you as the first man to conquer the arena doppy at our national arena in Kingston. Ask about the Peter Tosh show in the arena, to some the best show ever in Jamaica. Well, 
All right, go at it. Well, the, the, the arena stuff is actually a guy called Reverb. <laughs> Reverb, okay. Uh, some people call him Echo. Uh -huh. Now, you see, if you go in and treat him with respect, he will work with you. Uh. But you go into the arena and try to make everything extra loud, he's going to sound terrible. Mm. So what you do, you work within the, the parameters of the other room. And, and you know, also, when the room is empty, it's problems. It, when it's still out, it tightens up. So you do not make it, try to make it too loud. Work with the room. Mm -hmm. And that is it. Yeah, you don't try and, and broadcast to the people outside who haven't paid to come in. <laughs> not, not, not even that, but if you're going to speak outside, it's a problem. Mm. phone will, will be deaf. Yes, that too. <laughs> Our guest this morning, Inside of Life Tuesday. And what a journey this man has been on. Dennis Thompson.